space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, Sir Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Ooh, day late for Halloween, Dragon. I've got a bat. We are a day late for Halloween, but it is the day just to cross over. It's the day it's All Saints Day. Hey. Never, ever have, ever had so low. And kind of Halloween, um, Halloween, we do bring a long lost character back from the dead, basically. <laughs> we do. We do. It's. It's also wow. the day, if you're watching in the UK, that the whole of the Hooniverse dropped on BBC iPlayer, except for the episodes that no longer exist and except for the episodes that, for legal reasons, are not allowed to be on there. But apart from that, <laughs> it's more than has ever been on before. I was so. going to say, Jesus, the guys who are bitching online, I'm sorry, but look, the amount of... of Free Doctor Who we have online now. Oh no, but we haven't got an Anthony Child. Oh come on, we all own it on DVD or Blu-ray. Just, like what is it? Uh, Eight hundred and odd episodes that just dropped at once. Yeah, yeah. It's. Yeah. So I think we can let them go that they yeah. couldn't wrangle the rights from uh, certain people. It uh, wasn't uh, even that they didn't want to. Just the people who own the people rights wouldn't and, sell them the rights to do it. And it's like it's yeah. children of directors and writers who do get screwed over. I sort of feel for their case, but at the same time, it's like. Yeah, but by screwing over the fans, are you really helping the situation? The BBC aren't going to open up their coffers for this. It's Yeah, they're not going to pay you lots of money for... No. They've exactly. all... For something that they made in 1963. In the case of an unearthly child, yeah. And, like, you know, they, they've already paid you for the VHS, the DVD, and the Blu-ray rights. So, you know... Yeah, Blu-ray. You, you might as well just let them stay. It's a shame the first episode's not on there, though. I do have to say, I do think that's a shame. It but is a shame, but it's it's not it one of what the BBC's is. making and people bitching about it. It's like, again, just you've just no, been given no, this exactly. huge you've got, And the thing is, most people are not going to watch them. Most people are going to go, oh, it's good Doctor Who's on there. Are you going to watch the Willie Mantle ones? Absolutely not. But, Some um, of them are really quite good, I think. I, uh, yeah, I think, no, I think they're good. Think, yeah. I think, I think uh, it, yeah. when I first got me when I got my first laptop, I downloaded you all, them all. Mm. And Patrick, you did. And Troughton, sorry, sorry, that, that was a geek reflex. I didn't mean to correct you. It's just it's like Thornton, Troughton, Troughton. Sorry, it just it was like Tourette's of the geek. Um, but yeah, anyway. uh, no offense to anyone with Tourette's. But yeah, so I mean, uh, and it should be a credit to to you guys and how much I take this podcast seriously that as opposed to watching tales from the TARDIS during my lunch hour after work, I was straight on the Star Trek because I like to try and watch it the same day. We're going to talk about it because it's yeah. fresh in my mind then. To be fair that I watched um, one of the tales from the TARDIS is, and it, it was it is just like a little couple of minutes at the start, couple yeah. of minutes at the end to frame the story, which is what we expected. But um, already Russell T Davis has said that they are canonical and if so, I'll you know I'm not going to go into spoilers. Yeah, but some some of, some of the concepts introduced in them, if they are to become canon, could hint at some really interesting directions they could go. But we will say no more. Well, I was going to say I'll just just very briefly add that yeah, it's um 
Because yeah, the next the next series they're going to call season series one. Season like, one. Season one. I was going to say I couldn't remember the nomenclature of uh, series or season, but it's kind of interesting because I, I think there's going to be some major shit that gets fucked up in the anniversary. Yeah, I think so. And so Doctor Who now, because it used to be the classic series was seasons. The new series since it came back has been series, but now we're going back to seasons well, again. Well, technically, I think the original seasons were called series when they came out. I think they changed the season to uh, separate it from the series and the new one because back then it was actually more like the American seasons because they would go all yeah, year long. The reason why the much. Americans were called seasons is because it would last a season. Our TV shows never did, apart from Doctor Who and you know, soap operas, obviously, year long. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and in fact, Doctor Who, when it first started, was pretty much year long. Uh, and just as a quick plug, just while we're talking about it, I will be covering the three special Doctor Who's doing live streams um, probably the day after for the first two and then straight after for the third one because, you know, obviously we want to get straight on it. Um, Jim's already agreed to join me and I was going to ask Elliot later if you fancy joining us to talk about one of them. I have no, I would love to join in your name. Excellent. So it's going to be Retrek does uh, Gallifrey stands. We're going to bring back my old brand of a podcast. <laughs> there we go. So we will now talk about Star Trek, but I felt, you know, today of all days we needed to... Yeah. To Come on, yeah, Rich Chris it's yeah. a big Doctor let's, Who day. Let, let's talk about uh, Doctor Who's younger uh, sibling in sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. did at one stage assimilate Doctor Who uh, in in that story. So you know, come yeah, on. Yeah, there's been many, many, many crossovers, um, in, yeah. mainly in comics, and I bet there's yeah. a load of fanfic out there. But um, yeah, um, that, oh, that's a good question. Which Star Trek crew? Amy Pond and Deanna Troy. Oh, sorry, sorry, you didn't mean about the slash fic. Sorry, sorry, you were saying. Which Star Trek crew member would be the best Doctor Who companion? Oh, companion. I mean, Troy does spring to mind. Like, I know I've just mentioned her, but she's very empathetic. Mm -hmm. She's kind of like, I think. Seven of nine, I think. First up, seven of nine would be a great one. Because she's actually um, trying to work out the TARDIS and she'd be questioning him all the time. And Great at running. Yeah. Which is a staple of I think Tilly would be good. Yes. She's got that okay, sort of energy and enthusiasm. Bonnie Langford energy. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't always the desired trait in a not too companion, but never mind. Okay, so what we're actually here to talk about is um, the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks called The Inner Fight, um, which isn't a reference to The Inner Light. Well, I mean, it I, is, but the episode the, itself the episode is not. I honestly thought when I saw the title, I thought, oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I went yeah, in light. I mean, then I went uh, the original series episode, which got that alien from the. Uh, it's from nowhere where no man's gone before, isn't it? For the first one with Kirk. I no, it's uh, uh, Carbon Night Maneuver. Carbon Night Maneuver. Oh, Carbon Of course, sorry, Carbon Night Maneuver, because it's the baby with the which is Ron yeah. Howard. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, with yeah, Howard. it's going to be definitely that episode. Then I'm like, no fucking way. Like they've found the perfect way of the ep the callback no one was asking for no one yeah. wanted but everyone's going to be excited as hell once they did it <laughs> yeah yeah i know like, we spent weeks kicking the idea about who's it going to be we mentioned the iconians just in case um, but, <laughs> but i defy anyone will be who have the got this <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I defy anyone to have actually got the answer to this one because it yeah. is so out of left field, but so lower decks in its... James, you see the little pile behind you there? Lift up that, cl- that bit of clothing just behind you over on the right and, and uh, take out the bit of paper. Just, just above you. Uh, is that a hat? What's that up there? Yeah, it's, it's just under- what, this? Yeah, just underneath that. Do you see the bit of paper? Yeah. Yeah, if, if you just read out what it says on there. Oh, it says, I squee do declare that it will be Nick Lacano. Just saying. I've got and, it's, and it's dated It's dated two weeks ago. Do you know how many fucking hundreds of bits of paper I had to hide around that room? <laughs> yeah. It fucking took me and like, I had no, to get I've to leads. Been, I had to hide them. I've been and throwing them out all week. That one yeah. that says Iconians. Yeah, yeah, that was actually all the other bits of paper said Iconians. I'm like, oh fuck it. Let's let's say Nick Lacano. Do we think is it Garhoots with somebody else how he's got the design of what it does, this shit? Maybe. Maybe. Well let's let's talk through also, the episode and then the writers, we'll just quickly, but do you think the writers of Lacano were like just punching the air and going, Finally, I'm royalty rights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, finally I've got finally. my royalties. Um, yeah, that did occur to me. I feel like it, it's Lower Dex's way of going, you know what, they did you dirty all them years ago. Finally, have a little bit of cash for it. Like, okay, it's not a syndicated show yeah. that ran for seven years that you're getting money from. It's a one episode, but um, well, at least... Well, it'll be two episodes. It will be at yeah, least I two mean, episodes, do, yeah. Do you, do you, like, I mean... Just for anyone who doesn't know, of course, the reason why Locarno wasn't the uh, character in uh, Voyager, played by Robert Duncan McNeil, it, instead it was Paris, was so they didn't have to pay royalties. But it's like, I mean, the, the story, like the whole heft of that story, which isn't really the best story, but if it was like the motivation for him joining the Marquis, for everything else that happened afterwards, how much richer sense. is that story? Yeah, but it makes the story more richer as well, because you, yeah. you know it's all going You've in. You've already done character development. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I mean, Tom Paris was worth, Tom Paris was meant to be Nick Lacano, and, and, and to be because fair, they wouldn't pay the money, they made they got the same actor and made almost a carbon copy. I think Tom's got put, less did, rough edges. They did from all the backstory, but it's pretty much the same character that didn't rewrite it. Also, yeah. you've got the fact that the um, like his motivation is like, well, my grand, my dad's an, uh, an admiral. Well, I don't want to be in his shadow. Like, as opposed to, you know what? I accidentally killed the dude. Like, I mean, that's quite a motivating yeah. story. Like, accidentally. So it's not like he's morally corrupt, but like that's going to change a guy. That makes so much better. Yeah. More it does. Story. I accidentally it would have been... killed somebody under my command and then lied about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Even more so. Yeah, you're right. It would have been so interesting. <laughs> And and the character arc is there as well. Of if if Lucano had have been the character in Voyager to get him to a place, I, I think what they would have had to have done is taken him down the command path and got him to the stage where Janeway's comfortable with him leading missions and things like that. And then that, that that's his arc, yeah. isn't it? Being in command of people again. Um, but but yeah. Anyway, uh, it's another one of the the drop stitches of Voyager. Unfortunately, 
I mean, it's one of those things as well, whereby, you know, at the time, admittedly, the royalty payments of the time, as I understand it, were a nice chunk of change to the right. Like, they mm-hmm. got a, a periodic decent payment. Yeah. But for the money they were making on TV at the time, it was a drop in the ocean. It wasn't really anything to the writers. It was just like, it really seemed penny pinch. Oh, it's a, sorry, to the producers. It was just really penny pinch. It's just, well. it's just spiteful, uh, isn't it? Uh, it's just going, reality, we don't want to pay someone. Yeah. But the reality is that they've got to pay someone else anyway for the character. Somebody else has written it, so... Well, I yeah, but if you create it for the series, you pay it. less payment. If it's yeah, a, and it's... a character in one episode you then reuse, that's when the more meaty payment comes in. Yeah, because like yeah, yeah, as soon as regular, you get a one-off payment basically for creating, it. <laughs> and they're allowed that's to it. because they're designed to reuse. The other and one isn't. So, uh, yeah, Tom yeah. Paris was created by. Michael Pillar, uh, Rick Berman, and Jerry Taylor, who are executive producers of Voyager and credited as creators and blah, blah. So they will get their royalties anyway. But they don't um, get extra royalties per character that they no. get because they create the show. Yeah. No, exactly. That's it. They, they get royalties for every episode of the show because they yeah. created it. But um, they didn't want the person who wrote um, the, to get the first duty to, to get like you say, what would have effectively been a pittance, but anyway. Um, and as you've gathered, the other episode we're covering is the first duty because there was no other choice. The, I mean, it, we probably could have pointed out there could have been other choices, but uh, it given... was so, so glaringly obvious, and it's one that we haven't done. Absolutely, and it's a good one to do. So let, let's have a look I, at the inner can five. Sing, first can of I just all. say something that I was really impressed with this week? Yeah, I actually watched the first duty on Paramount Plus. The next generation what? worked on Paramount Plus. I, could I did choose, watch them there. I could choose episodes. And... <laughs> I mean, I was it was on my iPad at lunchtime. For some reason, it works on my iPad, not on. Well, the, yeah, uh, but last time, last time we did a next gen episode, I had to watch on Netflix because it would not yep. load on Paramount Plus. Yeah, so I was really impressed. I'm you impressed. did one thing right, Paramount Plus. So there we go. <laughs> I like the fact we're out of time. That's even better for Paramount Plus. They, they don't deserve us to be in unison. <laughs> no, <laughs> they don't. Because they're not. Well, it's, <laughs> just anyway. the, oh, it's just yeah. we've got no rhythm. <laughs> no, no, we got synced up by Paramount Plus. Tim's got it. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the inner fight then. The we've sort of got this thing about Mariner now, and I feel that I don't feel quite enough groundwork's been done this season. It it feels like it feels like in the original series. I don't know why I keep going back to this episode with Scotty, the Jack the Ripper one, but um, that episode starts and they go, "Oh, by the way, Scotty hates women now." And it's just, right, so that's a character trait that we've introduced for <laughs> this episode. And it, it kind of feels a little bit like that with Mariner. They've done a little bit of the groundwork to it, but all of a sudden it, she's got a I've, death wish and she keeps running into these situations. I've, no, I think actually we've seen a steady progression of that throughout the season. Yeah. I've got a third yeah. argument, but we'll hear yours Just first. We, we yeah. saw her when they went to Ferengi now, she deliberately gets in fights. She's been doing yeah, quite okay. a lot. And she's been rebellious about becoming a lieutenant all the way through. Well, you see, my- and we do get to explain this episode, which I think is really quite you see, good. My, 
my feeling was I didn't know it's the fight angle, but now you mentioned it. Yeah, there, there were antecedents to that. But to me, it's more the case for me that they've they've covered this so much, like so many different ways they've covered it. At the beginning of the episode, she doesn't like being a lieutenant, so she fights against it. Then someone uh, gives a bit of advice, so then she goes back to going, no, oh, I should really try. And then she's reset every episode. To me, it was just repetitive. I, I just, I don't know why we had to see that. Like, it would have yeah. been better if they hadn't resolved it. They'd had a... Like it, they could have been more consistent to Jim's point. I think they did show her getting into Barney's, but they didn't really show that but she was being reckless on every mission. They should have showed hammered that in a bit more, or yeah, you know, had it here and there, but not have it resolved yeah. every episode because they had it's it resolved, like, and then by the next episode she was reset. Yeah, it's like when you look at the Orion episode when she keeps getting stabbed and all that, she's not bothered about it. In the same way yeah. that you should really be. There has been. I, well, I, I guess maybe like, that, we should have seen maybe, people getting a bit more worried as they went. Like, maybe yeah, the yeah. arc has been more more subtle than my brain can cope with at the moment. I don't yeah. know. Um, I do have an alternative theory, though. And I, I, if this is the case, I think this is a really deep, deep cut. What if Mariner is effectively doing a sting operation by making herself look like she's incredibly out of sorts, she's getting in all these fights so that she ingratiates herself to Lucano um, because they know that she knows him from the Academy, which, and this is where the deep cut comes in, would I, reflect I Tom Paris's arc in season two of Voyager. And of course, Tom Paris is played by the same actor who plays Lucano. I'm trying to think where we'd seen it before. But- <laughs> I love that. And and it also makes more sense of the fact that the person yeah. you talked around every time. So you had a Ferengi who would then go and talk to other people. You've got uh, this guy in this episode. Like, you know, maybe she's purposely having these breakthrough moments which aren't real because that would actually be much more satisfying because so far yeah. I'm just going, why are we redoing this? Like, we've done this but, every episode of this series. And, it, and it it tying to how, Cap- how we see Captain Freeman actually play an ace cat card in this episode yes play and they're working the together and it shows yeah. them working together which shows character progression which is always good uh yeah no i love it if they're not doing this now jim i'm gonna be mad at the I'm yeah gonna write quite like that why did you I, not do what jim said i just got that feeling that maybe yeah this is intentional and that's why it feels maybe a little bit overplayed yeah and it's and i feel like they're having fun with the robert duncan mcneil of it all by doing a call back to one of paris's storylines yeah if they are that is just beautiful i don't even know if they thought like if they are doing it i don't know if they thought about the tom paris parallel i hope so because like low decks are very Oh, they yeah, will have done. Yeah. The, these writers are, you know, not to uh, disparage right, ourselves, right. but these writers are much cleverer than we are. So I, if we I, can... I they are much cleverer than they I, I honestly think we've probably got the best writing stuff for, for knowing Star Trek canon and, and following it. Oh, without a doubt. The, and, yeah. And you know by what? Far. I've said, and I still stick by this, like my comments from last week, that I do miss the fast-paced uh, references, but... To play the long game like this is an, another kettle of fish mm. altogether. This is probably the longest con they've done us it already. Even with what they've just done with Locarno, that's the longest con they've done us. And then if you've got this, these extra layers, then just now, just kiss. I do wonder, did maybe something get cut out of last week's episode? Because we noted last week that there was nothing about the ongoing 
Nicolicano threat as we now know it to be. Uh, but this episode opens with them saying, oh, they're now targeting ex-Starfleet officers. And that just kind of comes out of nowhere. So yeah, it would have yeah. been maybe been nice to have had an ex-Starfleet officer getting abducted last ah, week. But do you think it's maybe because they're going to do the reveal? Like, they listed off some very specific people, all of which have been known to do guest spots in other kind of Star Trek or reoccur their role. Yes, we get Beverly. What if they're all going to be in the next episode as his crew? And maybe like Beverly would obviously have to be working undercover. And so would Seven. But but it could be there in on the sting. Fenris Rangers, so maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, But it could be like they're part of the sting, whereas the other two, Thomas Riker and um, was there another one? Nick Lacano. Is oh, the... Nick so they probably yeah. are in earnest. Whereas, like, I and I'd love the, Tom... I'd love the end where I'd love it at the end if all three of them did the reveal of like, like Mariner goes, "Well, I was undercover," and like Crush goes, "No, no, I'm undercover." Seven's going, mm. "I'm undercover." What the undercover. like? And they haven't compared notes or anything. Yeah, because <laughs> they'd be working on their own undercover, whereas Mariner would be the only one working undercover from. And it was so there's no reason they would have. It, it, I tell you what, if they bring Tom Thomas Raker back in the. This season, I would love that. with McConnell as well. It's, it's yeah, the doppelganger of Thomas Raker. Well, that's it. It was a clever way of hiding the reveal <laughs> inside a joke by having when it comes up, Thomas Riker, you think, ah, Thomas Riker. And then it says Nick Lacano, and you go, oh, I see what they're doing there. They're making yeah. a joke about and, having. And I've heard some people say, I'm not sure I subscribe to it, but some people have said Seven Nine looks like Annika Hansen. I don't know, but like <laughs> just some people are suggesting it. <laughs> I can believe that. Um, uh, so, also, just as a random point before I forget, just because it was like, is it just me who noticed there seems to be a lot of references to other sci-fis in this? Because the thing above the planet looks like a Stargate. The the like the, yes, the whole it does. Oh, right. You've got I've got a snake in my boots, which is a weird Toy Story reference because that's the only place I've heard that in the last well within my lifetime. I've heard it on old, seen old, old movies, but that's about it. Uh, and then you've got um, the whole of the city on the ground, especially Mud Spa, looks like scum and villainy. The whole city looks like something out of mm-hmm. Star Wars. And you've yeah. even got like this um, lizard-headed guy who is the bounty looks hunter like one was the extra. Very, very Star Wars. Right, the whole, the whole thing seems. So I'm wondering, like. Wonder if they were letting out their like secret passions for the sci-fi. Maybe even like the way he spoke sounded, or spoke in inverted commas, sounded like Princess Leia when she's disguised as the bounty hunter. I thought it sounded like a brain. Ah, it did as well. Which a brain also is Princess Leia when she's disguised as a bounty hunter. So, um, yeah, yeah, maybe. And like the the concept of what we get, like when they end up down on the planet, and it's basically everyone who we've seen get abducted so far. Well, well that's it. We, like <laughs> first we thought they'd all been destroyed, but now we're finding out that they've been beamed away. Yeah, and the they're all on this decks. planet. And obviously, the Klingon lower decks ones are working with uh, Lucano. Well, the Klingons are in space, not the one. Yeah, but they're the lower decks crew from the Bird of Parade that have ditched the captain on the planet. Right. So, I also that's why I keep saying that's my ship. Oh, sorry, I missed that. So, um, so they're, I, they're obviously working with Lucano, and they're they're guarding the planet. Where and why the hell is just is got them on that planet? 
Also, the, 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 this seems to be a callback to Klingon Stooges because you've got like uh, Star Trek V uh, at Klingon Stooges. You've got like Lurz and Bator in uh, with uh, working Sauron and Generations. Like mm-hmm. there's a proud Star Trek tradition, especially in the films of Klingon now, Stooges. Talking about Generations with uh, Klingon ships, you've got to hand it to Lower Decks that did the own there. Brand new footage of a Klingon bird of prey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did it? Wait until it explodes next week. If they explode <laughs> it next week and they animate the exact copy of how it explodes in Star Trek 6 and 7, That'll be. I will take off every hat I own to them and I've got a collection. And they, they had Star Trek 6 blood as well. Yeah, pink blood. Yeah, if they do so- it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna get all the hats I own, and throughout the next episode, I'm gonna be taking on and taking off hats to them. <laughs> In fact, this is the first time since Star Trek Six that we've seen pink blood. Well, that's yeah, the thing. Was... How, what were the chances this week? I, I know I'd seen the text at this stage, but I, I was not thinking of this. I swear. <laughs> I put together a little sci-fi quiz for us and some friends. And and in there, one of the questions was like, uh, what color was the blood in Star Trek Six? And I said in conversation afterwards, because that's the only time they've ever done. They're always watching Spectre. There, I go. I sit corrected. Like, even when I wrote it, I yeah, was a day. I, I was wrong by a day, I think, because we did the quiz on the Friday. Yeah, you wrote that on... Yeah, you did, yeah. So what are the chances? I was a day out from being correct because of lower decks. Exactly. But, you know, these things happen. It, it, I do think sometimes they're spying on us. I think so. Um, so, yeah, the, the concept of the planet where they've got all these disparate crews... That's like a classic sci-fi trope where you you basically have a battle planet where you've yeah. got various different people. I mean, we see um, predators as well. Well, this was very much uh, Spectre of the Gun at the minute, but not yeah, the, spe- not Spectre of the Gun. Um, I know which one you mean. That's, that's the the Savage one. Curtain. That's it, Savage Curtain. Oh, that was that was great. There's Kalos, yeah. the Unforgettable, and Genghis Khan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then on the good guy side, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I mean, it just reminds me of the, uh, I think it's probably a little bit of a nod to this, was uh, um, the Waxwork episode. Waxwork in Red Dwarf. In yeah. Red Dwarf, where they had like all the good yeah. guys and the bad guys throughout history. It seemed like a, a bit of a Star Trek nod there. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Red Dwarf did very well with borrowing certain ideas from star trek um they they but, always did references in that they would never signpost them like it was always just there it's like they do a, um uh, some blade run ones throughout uh, especially in one of the specials oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, arguably they overplayed that blade runner joke that they definitely up, overplayed uh, it yeah. a, a little bit back too to earth long. i think it was it was back to earth yeah um Anyway, then, so yeah, we're down on the planet, and this is where we get Mariner has this fight with the Klingon, and they have to stop because it starts raining, and there's not enough well, room. It starts raining, raining glass. glass. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if you're watching, like, there's a lot of uh, documentaries out there now on YouTube about sort of uh, planets because the fight discovering exoplanets, and they're looking at how close they are to. The suns and all that. Yeah. And they're making all these theories. And they are theories that there's planets that'll have sharp metal as rain and, yeah, and yeah. diamond and all that. So this actually fits into sort of science theories on what you could get. Yeah. Yeah, because the right they, they're saying it's like if, if we just uh, – because the, the one theory is of uh, mining asteroids to help 
were playing surprise for the Earth. But they were saying it's like all we'd have to do is get one asteroid which is <laughs> maggoty with gold. Mind that, and suddenly gold is not a rare property to us anymore. Yeah. It's just because it happens to be in short supply here. Yeah, but yeah, we could yeah. conceivably have an asteroid we mine, and just it becomes dust to us. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So they have this chat, and this is where we get this backstory for Mariner. And this is when I first started thinking we're going to do the first duty because she references Sito, and I was like, oh, that's quite a nice yeah. deep cut that she knew. She knew Sito, and it references Sito dying on the Enterprise, which we is from the original Lower Decks episode. Yeah, which we have um, covered. Which we have covered, and I thought I... that was a, a nice callback. Sorry? Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, and in the second episode, I believe they've done a lot of work on our eyebrows. I'm going to get onto the uh, wig work that they do in that episode, because there is some bonkers shit in yeah. there. With a, certain cl- with a Vulcan and with her eyebrows. It's just nuts. Yeah um so yeah at that point i was thinking right this is a nice deep cut to a character that you know you has been in star trek twice so you have to kind of know your stuff to remember sito um but i still didn't think we were going to end up with nick lacano but i thought that's a nice reference (laughs) um and you get this thing where Mariner comes to a realisation about not wanting to be a lieutenant and everything. And the the stuff they drop in about, oh, it, it's because I wanted to live up to Sita and then the Klingon says, oh, she wouldn't be happy. And so all that works as a yeah. character beat in and of itself. And it, and it all works <laughs> when she's uh, acted up as well. It does, yeah. That, uh, but that it's she's hiding. Uh, yeah. And it's that's, hiding is, what they're gonna do. I do like your theory, though. I mean, this is what, yeah, but I mean, that's theory still works as well. It's brilliant. I mean, it's, uh, and I, what I like about Lower Decks and why I think they've sort of found their feet a little bit as they've gone on, because some of the earlier episodes they just played it for the last, so they they had yeah. some out and out sex episodes, which like it's fine, like you know they had the naked now and like you know all these episodes in traditional Trek which covered sex and stuff, but they forgot to put in the kind of like the, the Star Trek of it all, the morals of it all, whatever else. Whereas this, they spare a moment to have like, you know, everyone come together, all these different races based on Mariner, just, you know, finding the Star Trek within her, the, the Starfleet within her and banding people together. I feel like you've still got to have that even in the wackiest, silliest of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some great so. ones in series one of, of, of uh, Lower Decks, but there was some which just it lost me. And I was like, is it the swearing? Is it the overt sexiness of it? Like, or sex of it? Not sexiness. Uh, but, you know, I, I apart think, from obviously but, Noel Wells as a tendy, sexy as hell. Still going to die on that hill. But apart from that, not sexy. But it was it was the lack of kind of Star Trek morals, which I think they've done yeah. better. Well, I think that's saying um, that sort of like, you can also go with Next Generation tried to do all the morals in season one and, and forgot about decent story yeah. and, and making yeah, it's it true. fun. It's true. So you get that sort of like balance out. <laughs> and, it's that, and it's that sort of... Okay. No Star Trek's had its best in season one. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it does they actually... Find, they were finding the feet still. Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 I think that's true. I think maybe actually, maybe Strange New Worlds first season has a, a decent argument for being... A, you know, just as good as season two, and like, and actually, product. I think well. I think Strange New Worlds has the argument to be the strongest first season of any Star Trek. 
Prodigy up there. Prodigy up there. Um, the original series. Original series, yeah. Yeah, um, like they had 30 episodes per season, so, you know, yeah, give them yeah. a bit of a break. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think Mariner makes a really good speech where she talks about, like, what Starfleet is and why she wants to do it. And... It, it almost, because I know we've been covering the Dominion War and we're all big fans mm. of DS9, and it almost casts a bit of shade on that in saying, look, but that's not what it's about. We're not here to but, fight wars. We're here but, to explore. But that, well, we're not, but that's where DS9 is unique because it yeah, put exactly. them in a situation where they were in a war. What, yeah. And, and this is something which, like, I, I like the reminder here that what point of time in time we're at. We're just after the next generation. Uh, we've had the Dominion War. Like, it's uh, when she starts listing the enemies they faced. It sort of reminded me of. Uh, it's not often. It's a it's a go to reference for me. But Insurrection, where Picard talks about like the enemies yeah. that they've lost, and that's her, him and Troy yeah. talking about why they're welcoming in such a genuinely, generally early on in their progress civilization generation. Yeah. Um, and it felt like that. It felt like, yeah, of course, that Starfleet's going to have some scars from all the wars it's faced recently, and it's trying to be Starfleet again. And I thought it was a really nice moment to take. Yeah, again, it just yeah. sets us in the time and it, and it sort of gives us that Mariner's a bit like what she is because she has her own form of PTSD. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's traumatised. She, she's, she's opening up that she's actually traumatised by what's happened to her in the walls and, and, and losing friends. And she doesn't just, feel like she deserves to be a lieutenant. She yeah. wants, she thinks them people were better who died while they were ensigns. So why should she be more than an ensign? Can I just really uh, address one of the comments we've just had in the chat? It's like, uh, what are these people talking about? Hello, I'm nothing 07. No one knows. No one ever knows <laughs> what talking about. It's a mystery to us, quite frankly. Sorry, oh, it's a mystery. I could have played a song if you told me you have to come out with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we get taken down by, by like the uh, copyright people. So Elliot mentioned it a little bit earlier on, Freeman's trick that she uses, and it's Billups as the um, bounty hunter and everything. That is very nicely is nice constructed. It, it, it's, really, it, it's brilliant how she does because it's literally, she. if you notice... Billups actually, she's done this before they even arrive at the planet. Mm -hmm. Because when they first come in orbit and they're told that they've got to go back to the moon and it'll be a shuttle in three hours, they're not allowed to beam down. Yeah. There's another shuttle that comes in yeah, and it's guy. Billups. Yeah, you see, you see his face uh, yeah, on it the, as well. But they're letting it straight through. Because isn't there <laughs> so like two or three beats where you see that the, the guy, he's always one step ahead of them. Yeah. And man. I went to the mirror after watching this. I was looking for the word sucker written on my forehead because yeah. they got me good. I was almost running on myself in Sharpie because, you know, they, they yeah. tricked me so well. She did. She played it brilliantly. Yeah, I was really like, good. That's definitely the guy it, from the ship. It, there is no it, doubt in my mind. It, but, it, but she's planned this before they even got there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the bit and she with... Has, the... And she's being really clever. And, and, but what's really clever is she's not told the... A chief of security, so a chief of security is still like acting like normal. Yeah. No, exactly. And the um, 
like the reveals really good and everything and it shows Freeman's competence which we've not always seen in the earlier seasons yeah but it's nice to see that I think we've also seen that when push comes to shove she actually is quite competent yeah that's what I mean it's it's nice to see that without the being any edge to it or any ambiguity yeah. or even Mariner yeah. brushing back against it. It's just, no, yeah, it's she's just, done something really, really it, good. Yeah, I know what's going to happen and this is how we're going to get around it. She knows, yeah. knows already. That's one of the reasons why I think uh, Jim's uh, uh, suggestion would be so satisfying because it would show that they've worked together and because they've worked right. together, they've both done better than they would have done previously. Yeah, grown, and they've learned yeah. about Working together, even the but, captains learned that you have to work together with someone. But that's, even what, if I like you have your that's what I like about James's idea. Yeah, when yeah. he says Marion's off, off because it sort of shows that Captain Freeman's probably had this in the plan. Yeah, I think well. it would be she's doing it on the orders of Freeman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be wonderful. And then, yeah, obviously, the final revelation is Nick Lacano, which... Uh, we, yeah. we, you've actually missed the revelation because we oh, have the God. puppet from AIM, oh, the carbonite manoeuvre. And, and obviously, when Freeman starts going, it's a puppet. Where, as an audience, we're all there going, yeah, we know it's a puppet. We've seen the carbonite manoeuvre. We know it's a puppet. And she starts shaking and it and isn't. It's just an alien on a stunner yeah. And man, yeah. that that the 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 um cartoon, the animation. I know the animation's always great, but it, it dead on. Like it just, it was so kind of good to the original. But just, I don't know if you noticed. We should have also known this wasn't a puppet because it walks in while they're stuck outside arguing with the um, dog. I see. Yeah, but yeah, could have been more sophisticated. He's the, one who, he's, he's the one who walks in and he goes um, special offer for whatever species he said he was. That all that means is that um, Ron Howard was standing on the sh- shoulders of uh, Clint Howard, and that's how they made like yeah. There, there was just the two of them that time, which yeah. would have been so sad. For I would love it if they had had that as a reveal. One jumps off the other, and it's both. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a um, green version thought, of young I just, Ron thought, that was a, I just thought that was a clever way of playing it because when she yeah. starts saying it's a puppet, as an audience, we're all. With her as well, yes, it's a yeah. We know we have seen and then it's not. <laughs> I enjoy his indignation, like, how dare you call me a puppet? And just because you called me a puppet, I'm now going to do this. Yeah, I would love to think of Clint Howard in to voice him. <laughs> and by the way, yeah, yeah sorry, no. I said Ron Howard earlier in the episode. It was Clint Howard, of course. Yeah. It is Clint Howard. Um so, yeah, I think we've talked about Lacano. I'm interested in see what they do with him next week. I would love it if Tom Paris also appears in the episode somehow. Well, oh, it, nice. it's interesting because, like, last time we talked about the first duty, because uh, we've made reference to it a few times when we've done uh, the caretaker for Voyager mm-hmm. and when we did um, Lower Decks, the TNG episode, we've made reference to it. We've always said, like, has Lacono had a name change, maybe? And that's why we got Tom Paris. He's sat sort of like the in-universe thing, why he's the same person. But now you have to go, yeah. no, he isn't. It's now established that it is two different people. Yeah. So we have now two identical people from Earth now are in canon, 
So are they long lost twins? Yeah, I, I think I think Admiral Parrish had a little bit of fun with Miss Locarno at some point. That's all. Yeah, I'm that yeah, would make got, sense. You've you've got to look at that because now that you've made Locarno and Tom Parrish, because there has been fan speculation for a long time that Locarno, after he'd been kicked out of Starfleet, changed his name and all that, not to bring disgrace on his family or whatever. Mm-hmm. And became Tom Paris. And that's been fan fiction for a long time. Yeah. But that can no longer be because now we have two identical people in the same universe. Yeah, I mean that that, that was that was very much like look, don't get me wrong, I've done it over the years. That's kind of fans breaking their back to justify <laughs> something like that. Yeah, but but that's always good fun. But I but kind now, of I would but love now you have the other side that you have them. So are they twins? I believe the uh, guy who played uh, Admiral Paris is dead, unfortunately, because he he also played Future Boy in the uh, Mo something or other. He was in an episode of Quantum Leap, basically, where he he was a guy who tried to uh, make Quantum Leap technology, basically. He was also on a TV show. Anyway, that's another story. But I would have loved it if, you know, even if they just had a cartoon of him, you don't hear the voice, but you get Tom Paris in the episode. He goes up like, Dad, doesn't he look a bit like uh, me? But like, like just him doing one of yeah. these, and like, <laughs> yeah, you, you just have someone voicing every game going, like that would be perfect. Well, you never know. We'll find out next week. But yeah, that's yeah, what like- I want to see, right? Because Jesus, don't we love it when they get people from different creeds? That's why the last series of Picard was kind of satisfying for kind of seeing people. You know, even the other series because you had like seven of nine, you had new crew, you had Picard. It was a nice mashup. Like, imagine if this episode you had 709, you had uh, uh, Tom Riker, you had uh, Locarno, and Kathleen Crusher. I think, I think, I think and then, get, yeah, Tom Paris. Tom Paris and Locarno and Tom Riker, I'll be happy. If you get Beverly Crusher and 709 as well, I'll be like the, the cherry on top of the icing. Well, if we're case. bringing in all the duplicates, if, it's if time to get, bring back Thomas Boimler, isn't it? But or if William we get back, Boimler. If we do get Beverly Crusher, I just hope at the very end of it, the last scene, we have her giving a Boimler his tap dance lesson because that's all he's saying on the planet. I hope we meet Beverly Crusher and I get me tap dance and yeah. me tap dance. <laughs> that I love. And also, Jim, you just you just slipped something in there. You just just just, just put it in smooth as ice. The idea of seeing William Boimler, and it's like, oh man, come on, like. I mean, it makes it would make perfect sense as well because it's all the outcasts from Starfleet. Section thirty one is going to be all over um, <coughs> being behind. Yeah, that. if we're doing duplicates. Like to be fair, I, I had mentioned section thirty one could be behind all this. You have, man. We're just it's all coming so together. Still, just the my, my theory is still up there. So all I'm saying uh, is, writer of lower, writers of lower decks. If you're not doing that, you better do better than we've suggested because we've just come up with the most kick-ass finale do we think it'll end next week or do we think they'll do like previously and it'll carry over into season five the first five ten minutes i think they're gonna wrap it up up. i think they're gonna wrap the story up they might do they might do one of those things whereby they wrap up the story and then then at the end there's a sting and tell which leads to the plot of the next one yeah but I think they're going to wrap up this individual yeah. story. Yeah, I, f- I feel like if they were going to do it as a cliffhanger, a they have. But I feel like if they were going to do it as a cliffhanger, 
it had just been one episode at the end of the season. I feel like if they're doing a two-parter, we're going to get a wrap-up. But you never know. No. Um, so the first duty then. So, yeah. I I mean, this is... What really jumped out at me at this one is that this was Wesley's second guest appearance in season five. He wouldn't appear in season six at all, and then he would come back for properly as Wesley for one episode. Yeah, and he also has a little cameo in Parallels. Um, But if the writing for Wesley had been as good as this, maybe Will Wheaton would have wanted to stay as a regular, but Mm, he often got the the short end of the stick with Wesley's storylines, I feel, whereas I feel this is good. I thought this was... I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of it, but I thought it just read like a 45 minute PSA. Uh, it just, it was just, oh, I don't know. It just, I, I feel like they uh, didn't serve it enough. Cause the thing is we from very early doors knew what happened. We knew that they had performed in league. There was obviously, you know, they were obviously guilty. They did nothing to eke out the mystery. Like we knew no. what was happening and just took so long to land them actually. Yeah. Him it's, actually coming uh, around. It was just so long of him like going, oh, should I, shouldn't I? Oh, I feel really guilty, Picard. Oh, you think I should do it too? Oh, should I, shouldn't I though still? Oh, I did it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it worked though. I mean, that you, you have, there is nothing incorrect about your description of it. It's like, um, but it's like for even, me, it landed. Even, even very early on, you know, Picard knows that that is <laughs> bullshit because he starts asking the gardener. You know, as soon as Bruce, yeah. you know, as soon as Bruce is involved, that he's gone for serious advice because he knows it's bullshit. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they work it's, it out it, pretty quickly. It, it's very it's very drawn out mm-hmm. to work out that they've done something wrong. And it's like why have they said the smoking gun evidence right till the very last reveal at the trial? The yeah, evening. they do. No, they're like, oh, we found this alternate view, and look, the ships are not in the right formation. <laughs> Can you yeah. explain it? Yeah, and we don't even ever see the incident. Like that would have been really cool if they'd shown. No, like, uh, well, I know. I know why we didn't <laughs> see the incident, and I know exactly why we didn't see the incident. Because this was made in 1993, yes. and to do that effect would have cost stupid amounts of money. That's true. That's, that's, true, why, that's, true. that's why we keep getting um, what were Still. quite good computer effects for 1993 on the screen of a little triangle. You're right, you're right. Yeah. But then, now, like in, mo- in modern storytelling, if they've been like, um, you tell story- the truth, and then, then uh, Locarno's still denying it, and he goes, ha-ha, smoking gun, here's the proof. That would have been a nice reveal at the end, you know, a nice shot at the end. Now, my fundamental problem with this episode that I've always had is that the central conceit doesn't make any sense um, because Nick Lacano's plan is I want to go out in a blaze of glory and I'm going to get them to do this manoeuvre that's been banned because somebody died. Last time. And, 
and everyone's going to go, yay, he pulled it off. What a difficult manoeuvre. I'm going to graduate with honour. No, you'd be expelled because be it's expelled banned. for doing the banned manoeuvre. It, it doesn't yeah. matter that the reason it was banned is because it's killed. So they're not saying it's banned unless you can guarantee people will live. It's the fact that it's banned. It's banned well, it wouldn't be banned know. if they could guarantee people will live. They just got lucky if they got through well yeah that's what i mean so yeah it doesn't that isn't the way it works it's not like you know if you drive 200 miles an hour down a motorway but don't hit anyone the police don't go oh that's all right then that's all right then you know well done it's that's not how the law works so for me the the basic concept of the dilemma is fundamentally flawed because it wouldn't have worked out okay even if they had have done it they'd have just yeah. all got expelled like if they said that that like been it, it if it had been a maneuver that hadn't been performed for a hundred years because someone died last time mm-hmm. it was done and you left it at that and you didn't say it is banned because of yeah, that yeah, you're right. What? If they'd have just well, done all, it, all, all and they just say, didn't want to admit they'd killed someone because all, it was negligent. Yeah, yeah. All you have to say is that no one has performed this manoeuvre because it's judged too dangerous for a hundred years. Yeah. Because last time it was done at the academy, someone died. Great. And you don't say it's banned or anything, you just say it's not being performed because it's too dangerous. Yep. And they would have still lied about it because yep. they knew it was a dangerous culpable. thing to do. And they've got someone Yeah, you're them. right. That's just a tiny the, little change and it would have made the logic yeah. of the episode work. And the, the truth they wrapped their lying was the fact that the guy was nervous about flying. You know, so it yeah. was kind yeah. of like they'd given away something which kind of bites them in the ass later. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it would have been great. Because that, yeah, that they it, were still going to shit for forcing me. someone to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt the same. I must admit, I felt the same. It, it doesn't make... Yeah. It, re- it doesn't... Leaving that one line in that... In fact, the one couple of words, it's banned. It's an illegal it, manoeuvre. It's an illegal manoeuvre, then you're going to get screwed if you do it, if you complete it or not, because it's an illegal manoeuvre. It doesn't yeah. matter if it looks spectacular. It's illegal, yeah. and you're breaking the rules, and... And if we're seeing as we're obviously going to jump into this episode, uh, like the the fact that when um, and and I won't pretend this is my original observation uh, on another uh, podcast, they did raise the good point that when they get, when Picard said going, it's like your first duty is to the truth. It's like no, it's not. Like your first duty is to space exploration, to the Prime Directive, for instance. It's called the Prime Directive. Your first duty is to Starfleet. The the truth's never been the first. Like duty of any staff oh. officer, it's never been mentioned as that. <laughs> but he does try and uh, judge you as whether it's historical truth or personal truth or uh, truth. It just seems a bit, yeah, yeah. It, it's a very Picard sort of line that it is. And Lacano uh, does. Clones. I think. Um, I think that maybe Emma because it's Facebook user. Yeah, I'm not sure where clones comes into that. Tom Paris, uh, maybe. Thomas, Tom Paris, oh, right. Ah, uh, you might be a bit behind on us. Yeah, maybe it is. Well, again, okay. we're going to find out next week. Um, so, yeah, a couple of other things with this episode then. I do like the bit where Picard um, keeps getting, like, knocked back, like he goes... Um, he, he says, well, the, the Enterprise is on hand to help you should you need it. And she goes, no, it's all right. 
And then Picard goes to talk to Wesley. Like, Wesley, if you ever need to talk to me, no, no, you're fine. And I was just like, oh, poor Picard. He keeps getting yeah. knocked back. He's trying to help everybody, but I'm they're not, not up funny. for it. I'm not being funny, but you've got the flagship of the Federation there offering its assistance in the mm. inquiry. Why wouldn't you take it? Well, I presume the idea is that planet-based, they're, they're quite capable of doing yeah. their own thing, but, I mean, they do ultimately, don't they? Because he's like, well, we've been given access to all the things. Um, and then while Picard's talking to Boothby, uh, Boothby mentions something about his hair, which confirms that Picard had hair at the Academy, despite what the writers of Nemesis think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did see oh. that in... Um, in Tapestry, yeah. Tapestry had hair. Oh, mm-hmm. to me, though, I mean, we're, if we're going to go on to prosthetics, makeup, wigs... Yeah, do man, it. Like, first of all, you've got the... Uh, I mean, let's just do it, because, like, uh, Sato was kind of subtly weird, but it was like the bushiest eyebrows yeah. I've ever seen. And look, I'm not shaming women for having bushy eyebrows, but it seems like that was part of the prosthetic, not uh, face. Yeah, it looked like Her it was eyebrows, out I the apologize. But I kind of assumed it was only because if you've seen the the Vulcan in this episode, man, it's like they got a Beatles wig that would have been left over from something else. They got curly eyebrows, which look like, okay, this is the most obscure reference I'm ever going to make, but which looked like they were the drawing from the front cover of the Bogwoppet book, which if anyone's yeah. ever read it, if, read it, if you haven't, Google it right now. The Bogwoppet had these huge curly eyebrows. It was ridiculous. His hair, I didn't know where his eyebrows ended and his hairline began. It was the most weird looking falcon. It, was, it really felt like it's like, Oh, we've run out of budget. Like, well, who have you got left to do? Well, just a Vulcan, but ah, oh, your Beatles wig, these curly eyebrows we got left over from another monster. Yeah, that'll do. It, it looks fucking. Have we got the point? Yes. Yeah, we got the point. Yes. I don't give a crap about the rest then. In Cito's defense, TNG Bajorans did have a little bit of ridges, and then they decided to drop it by the time they got to DS9, oh, probably because yeah. they were like, you know what? A nose is easier than doing. Oh, yeah, no, it's the ridges. That's fine. Maybe some people from Bayshore have that. That's like, you know, it could be a feature some people have, some people don't. We get, I'm sure there's an example in human features I'm not thinking of, but sometimes people have different faces and different features and stuff. I I can buy that. It's a a genetic thing. Like, you know, they've now established in law that uh, Romulans from one side of the planet or another look different, and that justifies why we've had different Romulans over the years in Picard. That's fine, but it's like, I mean, it's just a weird stylistic choice. Like, okay, yeah, we could say that all Bajorans of this era or some Bajorans have really ridiculously bushy eyebrows. It's just weird. It's like... No, it it's is. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's like, like, it's like when they did these skirts on men at the beginning of Next Generation. Great idea if they kept it up, but they did it in one episode to basically justify putting women in very short skirts. It, it just looks weird that it's only in one episode. And something else just in terms of the timing of the episode, like right at the end it gets to this inquiry is now closed and then Wesley goes, oh, excuse me, if I were Nick yeah. Lacano, I'd be like, oh, it said closed, said yeah. closed. No, this is inadmissible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly in our modern kind of parlance, if it was closed, then that would be a precedent. And like, if even if the second that you go, they go not guilty, if OJ had jumped up at that moment going, yeah, I did it really, they cannot prosecute. There, there is, that's legal. Like, so yeah. if we're saying that the Starfleet is built on modern legal precedents, 
yeah, you'd been fine saying that, and they would have been would have walked away from that fine. Yeah, I mean, they'd have probably had a mistrial or something. But anyway, but I just found it, it obviously, it yeah, works you could dramatically. Have a uh, it works dramatically, but it's just one of what them um, is weird ones. Before the end of the trial, Picard has worked out what they were doing. They've got this, the, the screenshot from uh, Sat from the weather satellite at Saturn, or the yeah. monitoring satellite, that shows them in the, the Starburst formation. And why doesn't that get put as evidence? If because he w- this- for Picard, it's about seeing whether Wesley will come forward or not, isn't it? I think Picard's got faith that Wesley will do the right thing, so he doesn't want to force it. Right. And in the in the in episode logic, after the fact, he could reopen the the trial. But I mean, to be honest with you, in sorry, just the second like after we moved on i was thinking it's like actually yeah you couldn't do a mistrial because the trial's over retrial would have to prove further evidence other than a confession after the trial's finished i believe so i think actually yeah that in in modern parlance that would get get away with it but if you just say in, ne- in next no, generation times con- i think if you confess that would uh, reopen the trial no i mean uh, they've they've shown in um this this has been brought up in loads of uh, you know um, <coughs> case shows which they've had on TV. They've said so yeah. if someone confesses after they've been proven in, it's the double jeopardy rule that they've got in America. Certainly, yeah. Uh, I don't know how it works in UK trials, but in America, trials, America yeah. as it's stupid, you can't try someone for the same thing twice. Exactly. So a retrial, you I don't think you could use that because of the double jeopardy rule. I think that somehow applies Which to that. Which was that was the whole concept of that Ashley Judd film, wasn't it? Double jeopardy. It's like, oh, she gets put away for killing her husband, but then it turns out he's actually alive. Uh so now she could actually kill him. And spoilers for that film, she does. So it's like, right, well, I knew oh. that whole film from the trailer. Like <laughs> I literally did not need to see that film. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, uh, OJ released a book saying, if I had done it, this is what I would have done. Yeah. Which basically if I did, did it and the if was like practically crossed out, yeah. yeah. So I think if you were able to do that, that book alone would be evident, like damning, very suggestive evidence at least, especially seeing the facts tie up with everything in the case. Yeah, there was a, a wrestler, Superfly Jimmy Snooker, who um, was accused of killing his wife, but he had an alibi. And it was a very tenuous alibi, but everyone went with it. And then he wrote an autobiography many years later where he outright contradicted his alibi uh, <laughs> for where he was at the time of the murder. Um, uh, yeah, so that's an interesting. He was removed from the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, anywho, so, yeah, I mean... I think this is one of them ones where it's such a well-known episode that we don't need to go through it in depth. We, we've kind of covered the main points, but what else have we got? There was one, an early doors one, which I did want to mention. When he's doing his physio in the room, like he's got like this strap attached to his arm. I don't know where he's meant to have injured his arm, but it's like he's doing this pull thing from his strap on his arm, which is basically just a physio band which i'm using for my broken like this is my broken arm at the moment i'm i literally did a physio band on it not an hour before i watched the episode i'm going that's the best they've come up and they've attached it to the arm which they're working on which would surely put extra pressure on it like that mm-hmm. device makes no sense whatsoever i can't imagine an injury that's if well, the injury's on that part of the arm if there's injuries on that part of the arm you're aggravating more if it's on that part of the arm it's doing fuck all to it 
What's it doing? I uh, don't know. Something very clever and futuristic. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just it's bullshit. I'm sorry. It was, I, I mean, again, I would not have questioned it once if I hadn't literally just broken my arm like three months ago and I'm still doing physio for it. So I was like, how the fuck would that work? <laughs> well, same way that the thing that repairs your broken arms works. Yeah. Shut up. That's logic, whore. That makes perfect I sense. I'm sorry. I I, I apologise. I apologise. Um, you might get some of them for Christmas. And you it, it was, some it was, of them in your life. And so, just because one of my favourite facts is the fact that the original medical scanner was meant to be salt and pepper things, which they go, no, they look too futuristic What's, to be salt and pepper. I'll be back in Maybe. thirty seconds. <laughs> I wonder what he's going to come back with. <laughs> but yeah, so it was like I couldn't believe they were going. It's like. Oh, look, I could see that being a medical scanner about that big, but it's dispensing salt and pepper. Ridiculous. Yeah, and it's one of them where the, the, a lot of shows like future look stuff, they, o- they over-design everything. Oh. Oh, I love that. Oh. <laughs> you didn't even grind it. That's automatic, automatic. <laughs> and lights up. <laughs> No, I, I, I've seen them light up. I've seen them say press one button and it all, you know. No, I don't even have to press anything. Oh, no, the hands-free <laughs> is the bit which is impressive. The light-up technology we've seen before, but man, where you get that from? peak salt sellers. <laughs> okay, I want an Amazon link in my inbox by the end of this episode. Absolutely. So, has anyone got anything else on this episode um, then before we wrap up? I'm surprised that uh, data in this episode... Oh, yeah. Because Data's got, like, an encyclopedic knowledge of everything that's happened. And he's run through 55 different manoeuvres that hasn't come up with that they could be doing the Cobalt Starburst. Yeah, (laughs) that's a fair point. I've also got one. I think Beverly Crusher got stoned just before she found the news because in every other episode, you always see her getting really emotional when it's anything to do with the sun, as as she would do. She's always like, oh, my God, is Wesley okay? Is he all right? Like, what's happened? Oh, I'm so worried because he's away from the ship and I'm here and I'm not, I'm his mum, you know. She's always showing so much concern. This time it's like, oh, yeah, I hope they take into account that he's allergic to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hope she's, like, it's so weirdly underplayed. I think that has to be in the direction, because it's not... I, I, it's almost like she's been directed to be numbed by the news that nearly Maybe, yeah. Yeah, but why wouldn't she be that in other situations which are of a part, which we see in several other Because episodes? maybe she was directed better in other episodes. That's what I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> your, your thing is the best explanation we've got, but it doesn't make any sense to... It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't for the character what we've seen previously and in the future. Because some people can, can act numb, and that would be a fine character choice if you're doing it every time. Yeah. But it just looked weirdly stoned in this episode. Yeah. Not that I know what that looks like. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I do think this is a good episode. I think it's one of the, the best Wesley-centric episodes, and I think it's a shame Wesley didn't get better writing when he was a, a regular on the show. Um, this is a much better... Um sort of like cameo appearance that his earlier episodes in season five. Oh, the game, yeah. The game. <laughs> Which features oh. Ashley Judd from Double Double Jeopardy. So there you go. It all ties together. Yeah. I love the fact that we've got, these all just say Facebook users, so it's like, that's not me this time. 
Don't that's you have Emma, to a waste of time. That's Geordie. That's Geordie, that's not Emma. Geordie. No, I love the fact that it's like, it doesn't say who it is, but they're arguing over, that's not me. This is me. It's me. me. It's like, <laughs> well, that like until Geordie well, says we've, Geordie. we've said, all you have to do is click the thing and we will see your names and we, we won't have these fun debates. But and some of you have done that in the past and it works. <laughs> it's I, I, like I'm, magic. I'm just, just, just space magic. Just to quickly space just put magic. a button on it. <laughs> yeah. For me, yeah, I, I think this is one of the um, – it's a really good idea that's very poorly realised for me. Like, I, 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 honestly, I was really looking forward to seeing this episode, and I still love what it does for Wesley's story, and well, which, again, isn't really explored later. But anyway, I like the ideas it sets up, which could have been made so much hay of in Voyager and in future Wesley, but they sort of don't really do anything with it, and they sort of – it's slow-paced here. It's a great idea. <coughs> that thing. What that's thing? The thing that you click on. We'll do a little instructional video on how to do it at some point. That's um, we know, that's know George knows how to do it because she's done it in the past. If someone can just CGI out my arm, that's the thing. <laughs> so anyway, we'll wrap up there then. We'll be back next week <laughs> well, with that joke, to talk but... about the finale of Lower Deck. See what Nick Lacano gets up to. And let's not get Section 31 and the whale probe involved so I can claim that I got it. And if not, then the Iconians. Yeah, um, always in, Iconians. <laughs> in the meantime, you can get in touch with us. We're at Retrek Pod. Um, we're retrekpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials. Elliot has got Retrek Model Studios on and YouTube. I have a, and I have a video coming out later tonight because it's the 1st of November, so it's a brand new year for Halloween. There we go. And so uh, should be excited to see Oh, that. I know what that's about then. And, um, yeah, I've got Kingy's Toy Box <laughs> on YouTube, and we have just uploaded the latest video with the new issues of D&D Adventurer. Dr. Squee, what is going on with the Dr. Squee show? Well, uh, this week we had our Halloween spooktacular while we were talking to the uh, Ryan director, which you can find on YouTube now, uh, behind Do Not Disturb. And we're kind of continuing the horror theme the next week. We've got um, uh, the uh, Ryan director of uh, Killer Pig, or Pig Killer, uh, which is based on a true story. And it stars Gary, uh, sorry, Jake Busey, Gary Busey's son, uh, a fantastic actor in his own right. Uh, and, I just it just sounds like just the most wonderful um I purposely I kind of try and wait until shortly before the interview to watch it not only to keep it fresh in my head but so the surprises of it are fresh in my head yeah and it just sounds like the most amazing bonkers film and we've also got an in double bill this week uh an interview in that same episode with um uh it, it, so it's it's a I'm gonna forget the lady's name but it's a doctor talking about um gut health and fighting the winter blues so it gives loads of tips on how to keep yourself sane during the winter uh, and kind of how to physically keep yourself well um, whilst well, tackling going, the winter blues. Going right back to the start of the episode, you've got 800 episodes of Doctor Who to keep you happy through the winter period on wow. iPlayer. So. And the Doctor Squeeze show Tuesday, 7 to 8, sw20radio.co.uk or doctorsquee.com for the video episodes. Brilliant. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Goodbye. LLAP and drag off the